Thank you so much. Hey guys, welcome to the uh, Military Things and Star Wars panel, First Order versus Empire Edition. Thanks for coming out this morning. Um, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'm Riley Blight and I'll be moderating today. Um, I do the Star Wars Report podcast and a bunch of other Star Wars-y stuff, but I actually want to go down the far end to Brandy and have everyone come do a quick introduction on themselves, a little bit about uh, your Star Wars fandom history and your affinity with the military uh, in one way or another. Okay, so hello, my name is Brandy. Um, I have no affinity with the military, except for that my master's thesis, uh, my master's is in terrorism and political violence. Um, this also goes into my Star Wars connection. Uh, my thesis was on um, terrorism in Star Wars and how uh, the terrorist themes in uh, the Star Wars film um, affect our perception of terrorism as a whole. I know a lot of people last year requested to read my thesis, and I was really bad I didn't send it out. So what I'm going to do this year is post the link to it in Google Drive in the Facebook group after this weekend. Um, as far as, like, my experience in the Star Wars fandom, I literally do not remember the first time I saw the movies. I've, like, grown up with it, so whenever anyone's like, if you could live in a fictional universe, which one would it be and why, it would definitely be Star Wars. Hmm. <laughs> my name is Andy Dykes, and um, I also have no affiliation with any military whatsoever. <laughs> We're doing well so far. Um, <laughs> um, I'm a rocket scientist. I fly uh, satellites for a living. Um, commercial telecommunication satellites. Uh, they, I was telling these guys earlier that you know, in any statistically in any given room, I'm the Star Wars expert. When I come into this room, I'm like, I'm down here because we got you guys and these guys, but they still want to hear me talk about Star Wars. That's cool. That's cool. Uh, my Star Wars fandom. The funniest thing about it is that Return of the Jedi. Um, the first time I I saw it and first hundred times i saw it was on vhs my parents had recorded it off an hbo free weekend or whatever (laughs) they were really nice in that they paused during the commercials right um which is great because you didn't have to see that i don't know why they had commercials but whatever anyway they paused after uh there was a commercial between when they start to fly into the death star and they forgot to unpause so for the first However many times I saw that movie, I never saw the part where they actually fire the shots that destroy the Death Star. I just saw Lando out? coming out going, yeah! And I was like, all right, well, yeah, they, yeah. they did it. They were successful. Like, and then I finally saw the whole thing, and I was like, <laughs> That's amazing. That's awesome. Oh, man. Bethany? Um, uh, yeah, so I am Bethany Blanton, not, not related to Brandy Blanton, although we're working on that. And uh, am related to this one over here. There's a lot of us. Yeah. Lot of us. Plans are taking over the world, starting with this panel. Yes. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Hello. We had to like uh, separate each other so that we don't fight too much. Yes, but True story. Um, yeah. So I have been a Star Wars fan for a number of years. I've been coming to Dragon Con for a number of years as well. The Phantom Menace was my first movie. And yeah. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Oh, uh, <laughs> Wait, waiting for the even spaces of yays and boos and like yeah. But I loved it. Was it was mostly just Oz. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, so I am actually an Air Force officer, so I do have some relation to the military. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I'm an intelligence officer working uh, space threats in California, so I'm living as close to Star Wars as I possibly can. Space Force? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Until, until, yes. until DOD steals yes. space from the Air Force. Yeah. True. John, let's jump down to you. How's it going, man? Hey, do, uh, hi, I'm John Liang. I've uh, been a Star Wars fan for God knows how many years. Um, I'm a, uh, during the day, I'm a journalist. I cover the Pentagon and how DoD spends uh, $500 billion a year it gets in buying weapon systems like guns, cannons, ships, you name it. And uh, 
saw Star Wars in 77 when it first came out, but really became a fan when the when I read the novelization two years later. Thomas? I'm Thomas Harper. I write and podcast for a site called The Legal Geeks. If you guys are familiar, if you saw the court-martial of Poe Dameron that we did out in San Diego, um, I put him away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Like, it was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> he's gone to he's gone to Rurapente in the Star Wait. Trek universe for ten years. Oh. Um, yep. These days, oh. like my Star Wars origin story is less important I, than my brand new daughters. We we had a baby uh, about three months ago, and no. so now my struggle is, you know, pediatricians will tell you not to park a child in front of a TV, <laughs> but that's where Star Wars is. So <laughs> it's a, it's a constant battle. I'm. Uh, an army officer, I'm a JAG officer, uh, almost a major. The army selected me, but they haven't given me the paperwork. It's, it's weird how they work like that. Um, I'm still a captain, and then I become Major Tom, and I become just a joke. Yes. A yeah. um, nice. We just call you captain Colonel was Light. the rank I wanted. Like that's the cool yeah. rank. Like Tom Hanks is a captain in Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. Like Captain. O three is the best. Yeah. Let's be honest. Yeah, and then you know, major is like the most useful. Useless rank in the army. So, <laughs> anyhow, that's that's where we are. Well, and uh, I'm also a second lieutenant in the Air Force. I'm also Blanton, and I'm also an intelligence officer. I don't know what happened. <laughs> we don't even like each other that much either. Um, but it, here we are. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm stationed out in Texas and having a great time doing it. But yeah, I'm. Ex- oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, so many Texas jokes I want to do right now, but I'm, I will not do it right now. But we're going to talk a lot about the themes, the military themes in Star Wars, but with a particular focus today, we're going to talk about the Empire and the First Order, kind of talk a little bit about a comparison, but the way I'd like to uh, start us off is talk about the Battle of Hoth. Can you push the oh, yeah, yeah, and I'll, I'll angle it a little bit so you guys can, can see a little bit. But um, let's, uh, by the way, my favorite Star Wars battle, so I had to actually play a clip. Here, let's take a look real quick. <clears throat> I, believe, I believe in you, convention internet. <laughs> which is always, which is always, um, which is always a little bit of a challenge. But um, Battle Pass is my favorite Star Wars. But ah, hey. Echo Station Three TA. We have spotted Imperial Walker. Imperial Walker on the bridge. Like everybody's still walking. There. Where's the hustle? Where's yeah? Well, move with us to the perfect airman. Echo Station Five Seven. We're on our way. All right, boys, keep tight now. Luke, I have no approach vector. I'm not set. Steady, Jack. What's funny is, as we're playing the clip, I was um, researching, and, like, if you guys have ever seen the old Battle of the Bulge movie, um, there's, like, the idea of the binoculars and stuff in the ground battle with the two affair. It's just, like, so... Because, like, A New Hope has the World War II fighter combat, but this is where you kind of get the trench warfare. At some point, you're gonna pause this clip, and I'm just gonna keep it. I know. I don't. I'm like, I don't wanna. Like, we could just spend the hour watching Empire Strikes Back. 
<laughs> that is true. That is true. I'm like, I don't, I don't want to. Everybody would leave here and be like, that was the best panel ever. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a true story. Um, yeah. <laughs> that actually sounds like a great idea. Um, but no, so, all right, Battle of Hoth, um, especially, it, let me just jump straight to you. So when we look at the Battle of Hoth, it's sort of the showcase of the Empire's might. This is where we see the Empire at its, at its full strength. Do you have a different perspective watching it um, post-military career now versus when watching it growing up? First of all, the Empire should be down on their knees thanking General Veers that he exists oh. and that he decided to serve his galaxy and his emperor uh, by becoming a ground commander. And, and Thank you. second... Thank you. We have more on this, too. <laughs> And second, General Veer should be demanding to know why they had no air cover. Yes, thank you. <laughs> thank These you. are the first two things that I think of. Where's and the I don't like, know, I don't know mm. who runs the Twitter account at you know Veer's Watch, but if you're if you're on Twitter and you're not Wait, following Veer's Watch, this is a Twitter I do not know. I don't, but his soul exists. Don't know Veer's Watch. Seriously, he is committed to He's the appearance the of General Veer's and everything. So uh-huh. he'd be he'd be happy that we're we're starting off this panel on the right foot. Well, all right. It's almost like uh, it's. <laughs> it's it's almost like uh, our obsession with General Veers is mutual because there's the the one sequence. Um, let's see, there, there, there we go. There's one. <laughs> I'm not moving on from this because I don't. You guys are like for for a complex, in-depth, tactical look at the. No, I'm talking about General Veers because the 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 moment in the, in Empire when you have the, the the officers talking, invaders walking up is like the rebels are there, and um, you have my lord. There are so many uncharted settlements. Could be smugglers. It could be, and then you just General Veers is sitting there stoically. He's like, "This guy, this guy. No, no, no." He's like, "No, the rebels are there." General Veers, you're a competent officer who knows what he's doing. Prepare your men. And um, that's yeah, I'm absolutely in love with Veers. But it's interesting. Like, there's a leadership dynamic there that is very much straight out of military and a lot of like old World War II films. Bethany, you want to talk a little bit about the dynamic of military leadership in in Empire? Yeah, so what's what's interesting to me is that when you're in the military, you you always have those people who Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, who who it, it the, their intentions are the best, uh, but they're questioning orders in a time or place that's not necessarily the correct time or place to do so. And oh, that's one, and when you do that I'm but sure we'll come the thing to is, that. when you do that to a resistance officer or leader, she's going to throw you in the brig. But when you do that to Vader, he's just going to be like, I'm going to kill you now. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a, there's always that moment of, what are, you, what are you doing? Just just stop. It's Lord Vader. Just stop. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and how, Andy, looking back at Hoth, how well organized were they, really? Was it effective? Because everyone, I, especially going back and rewatching it, I was like, I'm not sure the Imperial strategy here was as solid as I thought it might be. Yeah, well, you know, and, 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 and even with the, um, the reverting from hyperspace at not Vader's favorite time, yeah, no. you know, there's, you've got that. So I don't know how, how organized were they? Not very. But the, the leadership dynamic that I was going to, we're still talking about Hoth. We can make yeah. Hoth make it hothy but we're, yes. we both have leadership <laughs> things that we want to talk about yes so, no by yes, all means. we'll get right to it um the the empire and i'm going to bring the first order into this too yeah, yeah. The, the empire oh my gosh they've had time to build up you know they have officers they have leadership i learned a new word and a crossword on my way to dragon con oh. that the high-ranking officers brass hats i did not know that 
I did not know that term before, but they are experienced. Like they know what they're doing. Yeah. Whereas in the first order, mm, not so mm. much. Like they've got they've got this leadership that's not they yeah. How did they get there? I don't know. But the other thing that the Empire has that the First Order never had and probably never well, no. we don't know. I don't know. Um, is uh, Palpatine's battle meditation. Yeah. And he, you know, it's one of the things that I really like from the EU that you learned about Palpatine was controlling everything, everything. And it's not as as evident in Hoth as, in Hoth as it is uh, over um, Endor. Yeah. But I want to, we'll come back to that. Later. Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure. We'll, and that's the funny thing about, um, kind yeah, of looking thing. back at Hoth, it's, it's kind of, it's, 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 it's funny to see that comparison of like looking ahead to the first order of how young, and inexperienced <laughs> yes. they are. John, you're at saying? The, yes. Yeah, at the same time, like, like Bethany was saying, uh, you, if you look at how Vader ran his ship, how he ran it, you either do it, what he says or you die. Yeah. So it, there was very, like, very little uh, improvisation. Like anytime when someone goes into battle, the battle plan goes straight to hell the minute the first shot is fired. Yeah. So you've got that versus you've got, like, the, the first order, like, you know, Adam, uh, Captain Kennedy. You know, he, if he had his way, he would have deployed his TIE fighters way the heck sooner than anybody else. One of yeah. the only remaining, say, like, well-experienced, yeah, the yeah. well-experienced yeah. uh, leaders that was still in the First Order and what, you know, he Five wasn't allowed bloody to... minutes ago. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. That's one, of the, that's one of the distinctions when we talk about leadership in both the First Order and the Empire. You've got this sort of patronage system that, mm. that underlies their entire rank structure. So while you do have folks that are born and bred officers that have grown up in the system like Aviers, you've also got jackholes like Mahdi who got their position by virtue of their family, their their position in life and whatnot. Hux, and so Hux, Hux, <laughs> I, and the first order looks at looks at that entire system and like the wreckage of it and they're like, I like that part of it. <laughs> And then that's why you see folks like, you know, Captain Peavy aboard uh, Hux's ship, why you see folks, um, um, why am I blanking on his name? You just said it. This, Kennedy, Kennedy, thank uh, you. This doesn't bode well for yeah, trivia. <laughs> uh, like Kennedy, who are sitting there, they do have the experience. They fought mm. in the last war, and they just can't stand that they're under, yet again, under, Another working in zealot. a system that's just not built for them. With a war, sorry, with a, with a war machine that they know how to employ. Like, yeah. it, that, that Dreadnought was brand new. Like, the, mm. uh, I don't remember the class name but whatever the dreadnought was brand new with those those cannons he knew what to do with it he knew what to do with his tie fighters and everything but he yeah. had to <coughs> mm-hmm. uh. yeah no well and 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 so and let's let's talk a little bit about uh, let's keep the comparison going so with crate tactically speaking very similar similar to hoth and in some ways similar outcome what are the i don't know what are the major differences Randy, you want to talk a little bit about the battle of crate in comparison to hoth just one thing that always hits me, this how visually similar the two are. Mm-hmm. It like I kinda like I go back and forth on uh The Last Jedi as to whether it's like totally a ripoff. But I feel like this particular battle is um I'm a l I can't remember what's the air support. Um That's that would be yeah. the significant difference. Yeah, yeah, there's air support. If only they around. didn't all chase one ship. <laughs> yeah. Um that would be a little better. I really off. hate that Fun- ship. Them all. <laughs> F- funny how the but- the one guy with no officer training is the one that makes that decision yeah. and sends them off. Yeah, but I feel yeah. like that's that entire battle is sort of a sort of a wreck because they are only focusing on individual um, battle arm- armorets of the rebels. Like, I'm also thinking about the fact that you know 
Kylo is very much like everyone attack Luke at the same time, which is yeah. not a yeah. smart decision militarily. Yeah, yeah. very easily distracted. It's interesting. <laughs> there's a lot of here's the here's what I'm realizing the common thread is a lot of really stupid mistakes on both parts. Like, like look back at Hoth and Vader. Uh, the, what's the objective to destroy the Rebel yeah. Alliance? Except Vader's objective is different. And so you have those, like, the personal thing getting in the way. He's looking for Luke Skywalker, so what does he do? Goes to the base that they need to destroy. So you, unless you want to bomb your own commander, yeah. it's going to make it very hard to, to get rid of. The same thing applies to Crate. It becomes the, the, I don't know, the personal distraction. I don't know if well, you want yeah. to talk about it. Yeah, Vader also yeah. takes himself out of the fight. Yeah, no, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Well, He's not leading that's, it. That's the problem with having a military leadership structure where there is no proper time and place to appropriately question yeah. orders because Vader will kill you. Kylo's just going to scream at you until you do it. Or throw you against the wall. Or throw you against the wall, yeah. Uh, or like slash things up. And so it's... <laughs> I mean, if if I were a military officer under any of those things, I'd be like, "Yes, sir." Shutting up and coloring yesterday. But you you see that exact thing happen when uh, Hux questions Kylo's yeah. command and gets thrown against the wall, and then what does his shuttle pilot do? But says, "Right, right away, sir." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. right away, sir. And, and the point that I was going to make, you guys, you and and John, make a good point about uh, this this the, the side effects of this structure in the real world. And in, I think, any functioning military, um, skill should be rewarded with promotion and whatnot. Yeah. And that doesn't always happen, right? But that's not always what Merit. you see. Yeah. 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 Not, it doesn't always work flawlessly in the real military. But that's a huge problem that both the Empire and the First Order share. Because for officers, for every Kennedy and Veers that are uh, distinguishing themselves by competence and tactical genius, there's a Hux who's getting by based on, you know, either birthright or, you know, some other connection. Yeah, his dad. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. I, how many yeah. folks in here watch Rebels, the Star Wars Rebels? How many of you guys Ooh. saw the the episode where they, they finally had the big showdown above Adelon and good old Admiral Constantine in the interdictor <laughs> sits there and listens to, to Grand Admiral Thrawn say, stick to your spot. Your job is solely to maintain an interdictor field and keep the rebels from escaping to hyperspace. And what does Constantine say? But nope, this is my chance to impress the emperor. And he gets rammed by June Sato and then, you know, the rebels escape. And so. similarly yeah. in um, uh, Aftermath Empire's End, I, it's the second year in a row that I've ended up, I'm to the, like the last few minutes of that book, I, audiobook, um, before this panel. So I'm remembering it. But the one Star Destroyer, Captain, panics. And hmm. he literally turns left and and he takes the Starhawks out. He got lucky, but he, he rammed his Star Destroyer into another ship accidentally because he panicked. And, you know, it's like, how did you get there? How did you become the captain of a freaking Star Destroyer where you panic and then you turn left? By Jack who it was process of elimination. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. 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 Well, and the let's talk a little bit about, about the tech because, you know, we're talking a little bit about Crate and a little bit about Hoth. The, um, it seems like the First Order at least has some more innovations on the technology. The miniaturized Death Star tech, for example, shields on the TIE fighters. Uh, are they at an overall advantage there? Yes. <laughs> but it, again, it's, it's a matter of scale, right? They yes. take all of it's, – it's like they looked at all of the lessons learned by the Empire, by 
whether it's the CIS or the the Republic, and they're like, <laughs> it's almost it's almost like there's a <laughs> yeah like yeah let's just increase the size a little bit and learn none of the the actual tactical lessons learned and and, and, and yeah. somehow learn how to fire a laser through hyperspace, which is apparently what the um, um, Star Killer mm, yeah, Base yeah, did. It, it, it was took, it out, took the energy from a sun. Yes, yeah. and, and yeah. throwing it through hyperspace, but you could still see it mm. as right. it passed overhead. Yeah. I was really wishing. I'm waiting, for, I'm waiting for the cut of the film where they. Sorry, can this play. isn't the science track. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> Here comes the sun by the Beatles. That would be pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> it's like playing at the Little Senate down. building on Hosnian Prime. Like, well, wait, God. this was a poor choice. <laughs> what was Leia's, Leia's chief advisor's name? I don't know. We see her. Oh, oh. Yeah, I don't. Marcel. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing, I'm hearing that song mm. playing behind them at the whatever Little gathering. Darling. Yeah. Oh, no. Black old so son. Like That's so bad. But it's mean. Sucks. No, it's not. Oh man. That's the takeaway. Um, and well, but after, I mean, Starkiller Base fails, but now it's sort of. Uh, we move forward to The Last Jedi, First Order has a little bit maybe better of a command structure here in that it is, it's mobile. And uh, that, I, well, it makes a little bit more sense for what they're doing at the time, tactically speaking, which is very different than the old Empire um, because they're now the expanding aggressor organization. Thomas, talk a little bit about, about that. I, I don't want to like trash the First Order too much because they, they have clearly <laughs> learned some lessons. Like, look no further than their TIE fighter fleet to, to yeah. understand that they've realize that just throwing away scores of pilots not only wastes resources but it kind of alienates folks and maybe makes you not want to get into a bucket <laughs> like that mm-hmm. and you know so when you what i can't square is like you make a chain you're willing to make a change on your starfighter fleet that makes it more survivable and and deadlier and more effective in combat but then you learn none of the lessons on the capital ship front because if you think about think about that chase in the last Jedi that, that occupies the center of the movie, had they invested in a fleet that not only was mobile but was actually quick, as opposed to just being a sledgehammer, I, you know, I think that would have been a very short movie. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. it ends above Dakar. Yeah, no, I don't know. I, the, the, this is the slowest chase scene in history. <laughs> Um, is, is what the first order is basically doing, and and somehow there was gravity involved in their laser fire. Hey, this is not the space. Oh, yeah. Stop sciencing. <laughs> this isn't rocket. Let's science. let the man or, who flies well, satellites talk about science. That's also, okay. Do we? They talk about crate. They talk mm-hmm. about crate being a, a like a rogue planet, right? No, just an off-world, like a There's off a- the. Sp- Beaten path kind of planet, I think. Wasn't okay, it, yeah. it was yeah. okay because yeah. I always read it as a rogue planet, and then I wondered why it had daylight. But. Yeah. <laughs> Don't get so salty oh, about man. it. Oh. oh man. Well done, sir. Well done. There's half the room's totally ticked off the other half. <laughs> Moving on and, from and that. Um, so one thing I think that the the reason why the force first order hasn't improved as much as it probably should have is because both the first order and the empire are relying on I'm trying to save us <laughs> are, are are trying to rely on the fact that they are uh, technologically superior they they feel superior in the in the case of the empire they 1000% are and so they don't have to 
uh, you don't have leaders who are saying, man, I don't have enough resources. I really need to innovate. I need to listen to the people who are really smart, who've proven themselves. And so their leadership structure gets a little bit too clunky and a little bit too laid back and a little bit too willing to be like, throw the fleet because that solves all problems. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the other thing that the, the first order has in very much common with the empire is this sort of pseudo theocracy. It's mm. like these sort of super, and it, and it's, it's weird, especially as I was thinking about it, looking back at um, the original trilogy, because it's almost like there's two empires. There's the, the religious uh, evil, you know, the, the sort of grand story that is the good versus evil. And then you just have the, the military faction, which seems kind of separated a little bit, but in the first order, they seem to play straight into the sort of extremist view of it. Yeah, um, that and that, and I think your 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 point about there being the two different empires that that's a good one because and, and it's one that we talk about a lot. I don't think we talk about it in those terms, but you know the the folks that are like, oh, the you know Luke killed millions of like contractors and stuff that were just on the Death Star to do their job, you know, or the soldiers that are just they're. Whatever. Stormtrooper the, Joe. Yeah, Stormtrooper Joe. Right. And then you have, again, we get up to the, the leadership level um, and you have something completely different with completely um, left-handed. What's the word? Uh, anyway, um, a sinister uh, yeah, motive. Yeah. That's what I was looking for. <laughs> yeah. Sinister yeah. motives and, and stuff. And But they don't have any choice but just to follow the orders. And they're a different – it's almost a different – you're right. It's a different uh, – thing which doesn't exist in the first order at all it seems to me and you've yeah, also got in the first order you've got the uh, stormtroopers themselves they're taken when they're young and indoctrinated at mm -hmm. a very young age by Hux and Hux's dad versus in the, the original trilogy that we really don't know how they become yeah. stormtroopers it's not like that do, are they do they get like an enlistment well maybe we do because we saw part of it in uh in, in solo so yeah so, oh, true. So, yeah. And that definitely plays into theocracy, yeah. uh, being yeah. raised yeah. that way. Think yeah. about how the empire was sold. Like This has a bigger impact and a bigger deal than I think a lot of folks realize. And, and it's partially because we just haven't seen a lot of insight into that distinction. I, I think particularly with the empire, how many folks have played the Battlefront 2 single-player yeah. mm -hmm. campaign? Mm -hmm. So if you are out there and you think that the average imperial soldier has any clue mm -hmm. that like who Palpatine is and, and whatnot. Um, I encourage you to play just, you know, the mission three in the single player, just find somebody that's completed it. Cause think about how the empire was sold at the end of revenge of the Sith. This wasn't to be a thousand years of peace brought by a Sith Lord or a force wielder. It was chancellor Palpatine. He just yeah. got kind of scarred up and, you know, because of the Jedi, uh, you know, at the core of that was comp nor and the new order, which is this law uh, an order-based system, uh, they just happen to achieve that through strength. And so you've got a lot of normal military folks that buy into that uh, that ideology. And in Battlefront, the reason I bring that up is you see a born and bred Imperial soldier in, in Del Mico, a guy that worked his way up through the stormtrooper ranks, served as a shore trooper. And he ends up on Pilio and, and has a mission with uh, Luke Skywalker. And he comes to realize, I won't spoil the entire mission, but he comes to realize that perhaps the, the Empire and the Emperor himself had a little bit more going on than just what was the, yeah. what was sold to them. And I think that that has a profound impact on him and shapes his arc going forward in the game. Um, and, and I think it absolutely would have an effect on, on the Empire at large. 
For sure. I mean, and it has the the visual. And again, I'm going to pile on because I only just recently played it, so I'm I'm super late to the party. But like <laughs> the the striking visual of seeing Inferno Squad looking up through the beautiful forest of Endor up in the sky and seeing the you know Death Star and the entire fleet crumbling. It's just a very striking image that's a totally different perspective. When, and think about how that plays out. Think about how, you know, if you've seen any of the, the materials post-Return of the Jedi pre-The Force Awakens, the Emperor, they watch as the Emperor uh, you know, puts in into place Operation Cinder, which is his plan, not to save the Empire, but to burn it down except for a very small portion, right? Yeah. Think about if you're just a line soldier, like the Stormtrooper Joe or whatever we called yeah. him, that's and you're like, wait a minute, like... <laughs> wait, we gotta do what? I'm from Naboo, like, and, and that's exactly what happens to Inferno, Inferno Squad is mm. they, they watch Vardos burn. Um, mm. and, and, you know, think about that in, in the, the impact. I think that's where the distinction really matters because when you're, you've got a religious zealot at the head of your organization, yeah. bad things can happen. Yeah. Well, and a key difference between uh, the Empire and the First Order is that in A New Hope, we see the Emperor start to really push the Empire and his command. You know, they're they're dismantling politics, they're strong-arming significantly more, and you have Vader walk in and force choke an Imperial officer yeah. who doesn't believe. And from that point onward, the Imperial like high command, all of the general officers, they know that they can't cross Vader and they can't cross the Emperor and they just do what they say. Whereas in the First Order, when Snoke is around, uh, Snoke recognizes the benefit of having somebody who's not a religious zealot uh, around. And that is that is actually, although Hux is not the greatest of leaders, he at least counters Kylo's rather yeah he has the best command voice ever it's pronounced yeah. hugs <laughs> but like at least they they can balance each other to a degree in a yeah. way that uh, by the time a new hope comes around nobody can do that with vader or the emperor it, it was it was interesting that there is i just realized that well realized it before but it came up that there was this a similar a parallel um with uh vader and tarkin um, as with Hux and Kylo Ren. Um, so, and, and then inevitably one of them gets <laughs> removed and then all of a sudden yeah. you have a force wielder, a, a theocrat, um, mm -hmm. situation going yeah. on. So, yeah, that is one of the most interesting parts, uh, set up for episode nine is what that dynamic looks like yeah. now that Kylo oh, has <laughs> his, it's, and if only the Star Wars track had an episode nine speculation panel editor today across oh, the hallway, yeah. it's a plug plug. <laughs> um, but, yeah, this is this is this is an interesting discussion because John, talk a little about this. Like the line that um, I'm thinking of is just, you know the Imperial Senate you know is no longer concern of ours, and this sort of unvarnished, unchallenged rule of the Empire that even at the end of A New Hope, the first thing we learn in Empire, and then all the way through Jedi until the very end, is that it's is sort of unstoppable force, and the dynamics very different with the First Order. It's almost like it, it's it's hard. Uh, not harder to root, but it's not the sort of like underdog fight that that we saw in the original trilogy as much. No, they basically they took they decapitated the government in one fell swoop. Yeah. So the, from there on in, they're pretty much it. There's in the and the there's there, even the resistance has basically been whittled down to a complete little bitty bitty piece of nothing. So for anybody to take to, the only I mean, let's be honest, there's some hut cartels that are probably more powerful than the resistance. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Than the point, yeah. All the scum and villainy of the, of the galaxy is probably in better in a better situation than anybody else right now. So you, if you look at them, okay, they, they're going to start you know uh, taking taking control of their systems because no one else is around to police it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, come to the crime and politics panel tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Um, all right, I, I'm going to uh, cut to a slightly lighter note. Style points. Because let's be honest. Yes. <laughs> the imp- <laughs> Some pretty sweet stuff. Capes. Actually, capes. Uh, let's, Bethany, do you want to start our, our fashion commentary here? Empire First Order. Which one do you like more? Let's. First Order. Capes. <laughs> I mean, look at, look at that. Mm. I mean, that's a pretty sweet overcoat. Yeah. I wish, I wish, man, I wish, I wish the Air Force, listen, we, what's funny is, like, literally, Air Force is just changing policy on their uniform, going to the OCP, this is, again, military nerdery, going to the OCPs, which is, like, the universal army deployed uniform. More comfortable, but definitely not the, like, fuzzy overcoat comfortable. I want, that's what I want issued in the so, future. You want so, the poopy suits. Yeah. yeah. So, I'm working in uh, the Space Command AOC right now. Uh, lots of acronyms, but basically we do space stuff. So when the Space Force yeah. gets announced, everybody is like, oh my gosh, Space Force, what does this mean? Let's talk about uniforms. It's going to be a black flight suit. It's going to be lit up. We're going to have yep. like galaxy constellations as patches that light up. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> Absolutely. So one thing that really strikes me about the uniform yeah. difference is that the first order uniforms to me seem to be more black. The tones are a lot darker. For sure. Um, which one thing that I've always thought about with that is that maybe it's Kylo trying to force that Darth Vader look on everyone else because he was the mm. only one in black before. That is true. And he is a style queen, let's be yeah. honest. Yeah. <laughs> I just, can we have a, a video somewhere where we have Kylo like slow motion just hair flips there. everywhere? I kept getting out of a pool. Yes. Well, <laughs> shampoo commercial thing. The, the other we thing already is have that a shirtless. If so. you look at First Order, because you mentioned First Order, it also, they really double down on like the well, Nazi SS mean, officer yeah. because yeah. like, the high boots and everything. Yeah. Everyone's seen like the Imperial officer kind of Nazi uniform, but like I was, I was struck at just how much. And speaking of our hero Del Mico, um, like just how much the First <laughs> Order. Or, yeah, sorry. <laughs> it's the same uniform. Same uniform. Careful. Bree is about to kill me. I'm gonna be. I just played the game. I like Star Wars. I promise. <laughs> but the um, yeah, the SS uniform reminded me so much of the First Order style, where they really doubled down on like, let's just let's go more evil. Well, you know, yeah, yeah, like the SS of of all of the Nazis. You like, you're you're gonna model your uniform not just not just any Nazi uniform, but straight for the SS. That's kind of a, a terrifying comparison. Yeah. I'm not a um, fan of the little wings on the hat. I, saw I was going to say, yeah. it was always, that, that's, I guess yeah. you It was like a food or, holder. Like you could just set a bowl yeah, very carefully up there. I will say that, that General Hux, uh, you know, for all his warts, has proven that uh, in getting thrown around repeatedly by <laughs> Snoke and, and Kylo, that that overcoat is very good as a mop. So mm. I guarantee you, <laughs> the, the floor on the finalizer is spotless. That's why he That's... probably like has it really well padded because he's just gone through this for how who knows how long. Like little airbags. Mm. Yeah, it's like. So there's an interesting theme that I I really just noticed um, that where where in the first order is far more uh, far more like like uh, Nazi Germany. Like and, and you yeah. see that in in uh, the speech yes. on board before the first firing of the uh, Star Killer base, mm. um, and all this other stuff, and they are definitely doing that that way of honoring their their uh, leadership. But yeah. in the Empire, it's far more of a royal kind of mm-hmm. like when you think of Vader and the Emperor coming on board, you know, they're they're coming off their shuttles and they have their respective guards or lineups of stormtroopers, which 
the lineups in the original one, of course, they were not quite as many, but you know, yeah. um, it's far more royal than it is. Um, di- I don't, it's still dictatorial, but not like, not like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it yeah, does. Yeah. It does have. They really double down on like the totalitarian fascist style, and especially like. And the moment I really first realized that, oh, we're really turning it up to eleven, was the Huck speech, um, which is yeah. just like uh, the talk that about was epic. heavy acting, like. I was Spittle flying, <laughs> screaming, like, yeah. Star Wars is so subtle. <laughs> <laughs> Just really nuanced. Well, and I think that's where that's what helps blend the First Order's leadership and military style, where that sort of the extremist faction is, is the First Order. And it's not like mm. the two, it's not like the Imperial two separate things. Because, you know, with Vader and the Emperor, and like, if you look at Return of the Jedi and that final, the final duel there, you know, the dark lighting and the, mm. the evil cackling and it's just that it is like an epic it, you know it's an epic John, uh, Joseph Campbell kind of tale whereas the, um, the 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 other side of the military is just trying to get the the job done this is something that I'm kind of thinking about right now. Maybe another difference between the Empire and the first order is imperialism versus fascism. I don't know if that's just like a style yeah. in style but also in like yeah. ruling <laughs> like they're sort of governing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and also like because the first order is just it it is that more extreme turned up to eleven element that it just it, it you, you don't get much more subtle than the the giant like even the 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 imagery of like some of the 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 Hitler speech which has the exact same like visual background with the giant flags in the background and that sort of thing and it's just like yeah. when 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 I watch it it's it, it they're not leaving it open for interpretation in the Force Awakens. Yeah. You'd think the stormtrooper armor would have been at least upgraded in between the two eras, you know? That's what I well, like something other than bright white. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Although I feel like the accuracy count for first order troopers is slightly higher. It well, is at least. You I, still had Hoth and crate, so white still works. No, I, I absolutely think we're talking like upgrades in, in equipment and stuff. I, I I won't speak to the the practice of collecting up children and training <laughs> them to be your troops, but I think there's. Yeah, there was a Jedi renewed thing. focus. I, the First Order absolutely took a look at the Stormtrooper Corps as the Empire took a look at the, the Clone Army and decided to make some upgrades there. I, you know, you could debate all day, I guess, the technicalities of the equipment. But I think the First Order's approach was, A, we're going to put loyalty first. We want unquestioning mm-hmm. soldiers that aren't going to pull like a Del Mico and question what's happening, uh, you know, the orders that they're being given. Um that's why Hux is you, when you watch that scene where he backhands Finn, uh, that carries so much weight because you know in that moment like he is the one crack in the system that's that's come out. Like Finn is the uh, the byproduct that's not supposed to happen. Yeah. with this new the system. And and like it, you watch it watch it in watch it right after the Force Awakens when he and Kylo have the little spat aboard the uh, the final yeah the finalizer right after Finn goes AWOL and. Kylo questions like the the clone the fitness of the clone yeah. soldiers. Oh right. Yeah. Check out Jason so, Fry's and, uh, and uh, Servants of the Empire book. It's really great. It goes into that a bit too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And if if you haven't read Phasma, it's it's a really great insight toward the end of the book into the First Order training. I mean, I, I think they they took everything that the Empire used and and upgraded it and, you know, maybe put an insane person <laughs> in charge of that program. Well, yeah. But I think they've they ended up with more ferocious soldiers for it, and that's the huge difference in the Force Awakens that we get to see that makes a, a huge distinction between the First Order, which is even kind of more extreme and more over the top and evil, 
but we have the face of a stormtrooper that we're introduced to in Finn. So I'm so glad you brought up Finn. And you talk a little bit about that perspective of like getting an insight on the on the everyman, even if the everyman is part of this even more like crazy organization. Well, you you also had you know you you had Finn, and and frankly, I'm thinking about that the early scene where we kind of um, see Finn, you know, not shooting and so on. But right before that, when the dude puts the dude that's already injured somehow has blood and puts it on his helmet, right? And that's not yeah. something that's no. not something that you see with. Um, say on uh, indoor, yeah. like yeah. you know, those guys when they die, they just fall down and die. These guys are actually, you know, they're they're um, like you said, loyalty first, and they're trying to do the thing that they've been ordered to do because they've been ordered to do it, and they're loyal for really no other reason. But he's dying in pain, and like, and you can see that, and that's that's yeah. an interesting, an interesting difference. Yeah. Well, and I'm going to take the second to say we're going to open up to some questions here. So feel free to line up here and ask a question. If you have more than one question, just hop in the back of the line so make sure everyone has a chance. But while we're lining up, uh, just a quick question. I'd like to look ahead a little bit to what we, we talked a little bit about lessons learned or maybe not learned by the First Order um, from the Empire. What lessons can they take forward moving into whatever might happen in Episode Nine, where they are now after the Last Jedi? Maybe don't put your entire your entire like capital in one ship. Mm. Yeah. It's not a bad or on idea. one planet with your entire fleet. They need a clear command structure, so when Snoke dies, you don't have Hux and Kylo struggling to see who's in charge. Mm. Yeah. What happens? Push any up. Struggle yeah. at all. I think it's going to be Kylo saying. Yeah. And I cover acquisition. Like I cover defense acquisition for as my day job. So like, don't just have one single place where you build ninety percent of your weapons. <laughs> and, and it's a ship that's going into battle. Right. What, yeah. What Bad idea. <laughs> yeah. Dislocation uh, is important to any military, and both sides in Star Wars seem to struggle with it a bit. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think the I, I like the concept that Snoke was fearful of putting their base headquarters center of operations in on one planet, and then it it took Vice Admiral Holdo to completely detonate that plan with one hyperspace jump. Um, I, I like the concept of that. I'm very curious, and will be curious to hear on the speculation panel what folks think. Uh, do they do they plant roots somewhere? Do they establish a base of operations? Because it's not yeah. going to be enough to just fly their fleet to, to different planets that used to be in the uh, the Republic or were unaffiliated and just bombard and send soldiers down. They're going to have to put some roots down places, whether that's garrisons or headquarters. So I don't know how that's going to work. And I guess for, for mine, yeah. I don't I don't think that the First Order is going to learn because I don't think that Kylo is a particularly sane, rational human <laughs> who has it all together at this point. So... Yeah. Well, listen, he can listen to the, his mature counterpart, General Hugs. That's going to go great. Somewhere, yeah, poor Captain Kennedy, the only sane member of the entire First Order. All right. His ship's being destroyed, and he's just like... Oh, well... I want that, I saw I want that. that, that picture of him with that face as a poster. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that would be awesome. I have seen those commanders. Uh, first uh, question. Uh, one thing I know y'all were talking a little bit about uh, the meritocracy versus uh, being uh, lorded over by incompetent twits. Um, one of the things that a uh, very strong repeated theme uh, for both the Empire and the First Order that's directly derived from their uh, obvious uh, fascist inspiration is the uh, redundancy of assignment. Um, so uh, kind of going back to like uh, the SA versus the SS and then the SS versus the Wehrmacht, uh, like you've got... Uh, 
uh, Tarkin and Krennic, uh, Cardinal and Phasma. Uh, uh, like, like all of these overlapping assignments where it's not exactly clear from the leader like who has this assignment. It's just sort of like, I guess, whoever does it better. And if you happen to kick the other person in the dirt. Uh, I was wondering if y'all had any insight as, as far as like how that uh, culture of management or mismanagement, if you prefer, um, actually uh, kind of serves to define the institution, whether it's the First Order or the Empire. That's an interesting it's an interesting observation because, uh, you know, in a, a company or whatever, you'd have like a board, you'd have a president, sure, but you'd have like a board and they would vote, and make decisions. But in what you I lost you. There you are. Um, where? <laughs> hello. Um, but it's it's like um, with the, the pairings that you mentioned, they're not the the job is big enough to to have multiple people doing it and it's like the venn diagram kind of overlaps for their capabilities and their skills so with with hux and kylo i mean yeah i mean hux has got the loyalty of the of the entire military and whatever but kylo's you know he's kylo and 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 they they overlap some Mm -hmm. and it's going to be interesting to see it's always interesting to see what happens when part of it's gone and then this part of the job isn't being done that's an interesting Uh, and and you made me think of that, like the the fact that Kylo and Snoke, like he has the direct line to the man upstairs, like he has the privileged relationship, which is made obvious by the fact of like when um, Hux finally gets an audience with Snoke one on one, and he's walking out, and Kylo's walking in, and he's like, "Yeah, that's right, I talked to the big that's, man." You know, that's, like, that smirk he gives. Yeah. Like, yeah. Our hyperspace tracking worked. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Christ, we're not getting um, into that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, Captain Kennedy wanted to launch the TIE Fighters five minutes ago. Mm. You know, he, did five he not, bloody minutes ago. Five bloody <laughs> minutes ago. Get it right or Literally pay the price. <laughs> I, he, he had the biggest fleet in the sh- or he had the biggest ship in the fleet. He clearly was somewhere very, very high in the rankings. Why couldn't he launch his own TIE Fighters? Because Ooh, they, they operate in this system. Yeah. This goes to the same question. They operate in a system where commanders don't have independent authority or ability to innovate, to do... Uh, freedom of movement on the battlefield. I mean, you, you're never going to see this sort of thing in any functioning military. So he essentially couldn't do well, anything? Well, not, yeah, not anything, but, but you, you walk in and Huck, it's Hux's plan. This is Hux's right. baby. This is Hux's gift to Snoke. He's giving the, the resistance and you know on a plate of, as a pile of ashes to Snoke. That's his yeah. whole plan, right? Yeah. And Kennedy, for his part, has to play the very specific role of bringing in the big gun. And launching fighters because you're worried about one little fighter. What is that? What message does that send? I'm not talking tactical soundness. It it signals weakness. Like they're paying attention to this puny fighter. And that's exactly why Hux is so angry. He comes over the hollow projector and he's like, why aren't you blasting that puny ship out of the sky? And you get Kennedy's response. For for both of these questions, you have centralized versus decentralized chain of command. And this is where you see for both the Empire and the First Order where everything is way too centralized. You're not letting your experienced tactical experts on the field make the decisions. You're experienced NCOICs, your experienced officers who are leading in the field. Instead, you're waiting for that information to go all the way up to the top and make that decision. And when you have overlapping responsibilities, those two leaders should be able to work that out themselves to divide those responsibilities and, and together conquer them. Uh, and then if you have disagreements, you take them to your leader who should who can make a decision on it. Versus in this case, you see both command structures being like, 
I'm going to watch you fight it out and see who does best. Yeah. And that's like, that's terrible for morale. It's terrible for tactical decision making. Yeah. Well, and typically, like in the military, you're going to have at a tactical level, especially whether it's air combat or, you know, space combat in Star Wars, there's going to be very specific operating procedures when you're, when you're operating a ship like that. So, like, that's the kind of thing that I would think of, oh, that's, that would be automatic is that you protect your ship with, with, with fighters. You're going to launch fighters when you're in a tactical yeah. space. But that's the thing is, like, it's not like the First Order seems to be operating on anything like that. It just seems to be like, you, here's, here's the plan. We destroy them. You have the gun. Go get them. And, and that's probably the extent of the, the briefing. There, there's a great example of this real life. If you've seen the, the show Band of Brothers from HBO, the, in the Battle of Bulge, Battle of the Bulge, there's a, one of the, the best episodes of the, the entire show. Um, they make an assault mm. on the town of Foy. And yep. there's a, a questionable leader that's put in charge of this infantry assault. And Dick Winters, who's like the star sort of officer of the show, he's like the original leader of, of this army unit. He's watching with binoculars from the hill as they get tore to pieces as this officer makes poor decisions and just freezes. And he's, his first reaction is to run down and just take everything over. And he gets stopped by his superior officer that, and reminded, like, that's not your role. Like, that's not your place to go down and do things. And they send somebody else in. So it's, it's the same effect. It's just that they get it completely. There's a really good book out. It's called Strategy Strikes Back. It's a it's it's superb. Um, one of the co-authors is uh, his name is Max Brooks. He wrote uh, World War Z Ooh, and uh, Shameless Plug. I actually got to interview him for this Billway Panthers podcast. It'll be up very soon. So check this book out. It's got a lot of all what you were asking. A lot of questions about Star Wars and uh, yeah, Star Wars and, and leadership and how it relates to the real world as well. Yeah. Next um, question. So you kind of mentioned how. Um, like, the average Imperial citizen is just Chancellor Palpatine. He made the Empire. He wasn't Darth Sidious or anybody. Um, but in Thrawn Alliances, like, Vader just casually mentions how the Empire could sense a disturbance in the Force in the Unknown Regions, like, from the Bridge of a Star Destroyer. Like, he didn't seem to care about keeping that secret. So do you think, if given the chance, that Palpatine would have kind of created, like, a Sith religion like you saw in the Old Republic? Like hmm. in the Empire at large, or in the Clone Wars, when you know he was trying to steal children. I, I think he's a big believer in the rule of two. That I, I don't think he's he's out to create the religion so much because every time you see Palpatine in current canon do things where he's employing other Force wielders apart from Vader, and really even with Vader, like how's he using him? He doesn't treat Vader as an equal. He treats mm-hmm. Vader as a hammer, mm-hmm. and whether it's it's re- trying to recruit children or, or gra- steal children uh, during the Clone Wars, or again uh, with Project Harvester with the Inquisitors. Uh, these aren't supposed to be equals. These are all supposed to be uh, minions that go out and do his bidding. So I, I don't think he wants a religion because he wants a bunch of tools to help increase his own power. Yeah. All who come to power are afraid to lose. Yes. Y'all are way too tall. <laughs> okay. We're way too so, what? Y'all, all of y'all, way too tall. I'm a tiny person. <laughs> so the thing that's always personally bothered me is that Hux and Kylo Ren share co-command of a ship. That's insane. And I get <laughs> well, right. Yeah. And I get that the idea is Kylo is supposed to be doing like magical force woo woo, and Hux is supposed to be doing like military stuff. That's in their job we description, by the way. Exactly. <laughs> That is mine. I copyrighted it. You cannot have it. (laughs) But they share the same resources and they have completely different goals and they hate each other. 
So I'm just curious what you guys think. Do you think it would have been meaningfully different if they had had like very differentiated roles and it was like Ren and the Knights doing this thing and Hux and the Stormtroopers doing this other thing? So I think I think it's an it's a good question. I think part of the reason that they hate each other is that they're constantly vying for Snoke's admiration and attention. I don't think that they necessarily would have hated each other. Maybe so, because Hux, what are you gonna do? Um, <laughs> I mean, I mean that guy's he been. He does hateable. have red hair. <laughs> yeah, that is totally the reason why. I forgot what Sorry, I was gonna say. <laughs> but but yeah, I think I I'm not sure that. Um, Oh yeah, I do remember. Um, they so they are in charge of the whole effort, the military effort. Each of those ships then had a captain of its own, like Kennedy, for example. I don't remember the name the name of the captain of the of um. Petey uh, was with Hawks. I think yeah that so you have a captain of that ship, and yet what is that captain's job? He's just supposed to make it do whatever Hux says. He reminds right? Hux when he's being too. Tool. Yeah. That's, it. That's, his official That's our second use of tool in the last two minutes. Yes. Uh, also, it is kind of, it reminds me of the sort of uh, Vader Tarkin dynamic where they seem to be pitted against each other and have mm. somewhat overlapping roles with like who who's going to win the Emperor's favor. Even, uh, even there, even there, there's a, there, it's not quite the same because Tarkin seems to have uh, some sort of authority over Vader, which is a weird thing. You know, if you watch all the other movies, and then you go back and watch you. A New Hope. Yeah, holding Vader's leaf. <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. Holding Vader's leaf. He's like, Lord Vader, let him go. And he says, as you wish. What? Since when does Lord Vader do what other people tell him to do other than, than Palpatine? Read the comics. There is a, there's a great panel. One of my favorite uh, panels in any of the comics is this one where a, uh, an Imperial officer is talking to Vader. And the substance is basically like, so, like, what? do we call you like what's your <laughs> rank and he's like you may call me lord vader or something to that effect and i was like i also want this as a post so good yeah next question all right so we we've talked a lot about the the empire and the first order as like when they're using sort of like blunt force, like there's an enemy base here, we need to go attack that, or like there's a fleet, we need to destroy that. But uh, assuming that the New Republic has crumbled as much as Episode Eight seems to imply, the, the First Order is now going to have to shift from invasion into a sort of a counterinsurgency kind of role. And I was wondering if you guys had any thoughts about how qualified they are for that. Poorly. Very badly. Yeah, not, LOL. No. Yeah. They're a blunt force instrument meant to squash everything, not to like go in on the ground, like do sort of special operations kind of stuff. Exactly. Yeah. No. Blunt force doesn't normally work on terrorist groups, so yeah. they're they're in for it. They're, it's not. They can't. They need to come up with a better strategy. Um, with terrorism groups, a lot of times you need to use more soft power than hard power, which is definitely not mm. um, something that they're great at. Go back yeah. to the screaming, the, it will bow yeah. to the First Order scene. Yeah, yeah. Oh, exactly. Look at, just look at the real world, what's going on right now in the Middle East. and Yeah. yeah. All right, uh, we're, we only have a couple minutes left, so I want to cycle through everyone, make sure we can do it. So we'll do quick rapid-fire questions for the rest of you guys, and uh, then we've got a giveaway after that. Uh-oh. Um, I'm, I'm really um, worried. If the Starkiller base um, can throw its beam into hyperspace, it needs power to blow up a planet, so... How can it throw its beam into hyperspace? 
Andy? Good question. Who Andy? could answer this question? Andy? Science guy. Science guy. <laughs> that is a very astute observation. Did you also notice that you can see the beam overhead? Like they're all watching this thing go by. It's in hyperspace. How are you? I don't Lens know. Flare. It's, it's they, the only way that they can do it is by harvesting the power of an entire sun. And then somehow, I don't know. They, they talk about it somewhere. Yeah. The technology, I, I don't remember. Finn talks about it a little bit. Yeah, later. but uh, it's it's one of those Star Wars mysteries. Yeah. Like, how does the force work? Well, it does. <laughs> Next question. Good question. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, hello again. Um, one, one thing I did want to go back to is y'all were uh, arguing about whether, um, as far as the style of regime, whether uh, one was more like a imperial or fascist or anything like that. Uh, and the distinction I, I drew from uh, comparing the two, like, I mean, you, you've definitely got the fascist regime, the the, um, the right that will last a thousand years type thing with the empire. Like, that's absolutely what they're going for. Their perpetual peace through superior firepower and order and everything like that. Um, but it's a little bit different with the First Order because they don't actually have like a culture to speak of. They don't have a home world. Um, they're basically moving all around everywhere. They're basically like Sparta, mm. where it's the city without walls. Um, they're yeah. not leaving behind any statues or scrolls or anything like that. They don't really have like a big idea other than we should just win and we'll figure out all the other crap. And all later. will bow to disorder. We got to destroy the, the yeah. And yeah. Then we can do whatever else. Real fast, the last two. We're like super rapid fire. Thanks. And I didn't have a really quick question. Anyways, um, <laughs> sorry, man. Yeah. Okay. So, and uh, the Empire had a ton of resources, had a lot of technical advancement. The First Order, from what we know of it, did not have a centralized resource capability in order to do that. Yet they seem to have innovated very tactically as well as technologically. Is it even possible what we know of both ideology, philosophy, and how governments work and political structures, even terrorist organizations, that such an organization could have existed to begin with with that sort of technological and tactical innovation advancement? That's I tried to say that very quickly. That was well done. Yeah. Yeah. Where's the money coming from? Yeah. So, so one thing that we, we, we don't know a whole lot about Snoke, but we know that he's been active in politics and uh, like as a major figure with, behind the scenes in the world for years so i would i would lean back towards the first order is is not a new thing because you're, you're right they couldn't have just appeared yeah it takes money they had to found some you know planets who are who were either willing to acquiesce to them or who liked what you know, who liked their, who liked the, what they were talking about to give to sell them the equipment it's it's all about money and if you're more interested more about that check out check out the bowie banthus podcast they talk a lot about that last one all right, so I came into the panel late, but at this, uh, I've heard you guys talking a lot about cool the command costume. structure. Thank you, I appreciate it. Um, I've heard you guys talk a lot about the command structure of the Empire and the First Order. What would you think would happen if the First Order utilized the so-called Knights of Rin as Jedi generals did mm -hmm. in the Republic? For instance, an entire droid battalion could be destroyed by just one Jedi general if placed tactically on the field. So... Mm. It kind of brings into where do the Knights of Rin follow on the command structure of the First Order? This sounds like they? this sounds like one of those we could do an entire panel on that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's an excellent. Question. And I would want to see like the old like Gindi Clone Wars series, but like see Knights of Rin do what Mace Windu did. I, I, I want this scene. Story. I want this That'd movie. Be. So yeah, right, the problem so with that, really quick, the, the problem with that is that you look, if you look at the the Jedi Order, they were strung out all across the galaxy, and that's one of the things that made yeah. them weak was because yeah. they were strung out like that so much. So who knows? Yeah, yeah exactly. So. 
who knows if, if the Knights of Ren would have the same problems themselves. Ladies and gentlemen, we are out of time, but we do have giveaways. Uh, so let's, uh, Thomas, I'll have you call out the first number. It's going to be either the number, Price is Right rules, the nearest, the nearest without going over. 12. We have 12? 1, 2, 12. 12, 12. 12. Is it? You went over? Yeah, I think right there. Is there a, oh, well. 11, oh, 10, 9? Yeah, that's right. Nine. Price is Right rules. Yeah, there we <laughs> it's go. It's the nearest without going over, so. Yeah. Yeah. And Bethany? We have 43. 43. 43. 43. 43. Without going. Hey, all right. Then. Do I get to do one too? Yeah, absolutely. We have five. I have 159. Ooh. Back of the room. Hey, all right. Brandy? 75. 75? Yeah, you got it. 75. Hey, that, there we go. Hey, all right. Last but not yeah. least, 139. 139. 139. 139. 38, 37, 36, 35. There you go. Hey, there we are. Guys, thank you so much for coming out. Stick around. We got a lot of great panels today. Thanks, guys. That went by fast.